what a worship set. Um, the, the young lad who opened the meeting shared from Psalm 91, which is what I'm preaching. I mean, you think if, if, I, if you picked a, a chapter at a time of the Bible and you did it a week at a time, it would take you 27 years approximately to get through it. So of all the chapters of the Bible for you to speak on this morning as you opened up the meeting and to pick Psalm 91 that a lot of my, this sermon is based around is pretty impressive. Does, any, does anyone know there is a guaranteed fail-safe way to go into a casino and win? Guaranteed fail-safe. I'm not on about stealing from the casino. I'm not, on a, I'm not on about cheating or anything like that. I'm not on about kind of fixing the cards or, you know, having someone who's kind of, who's got an inside man or anything like that. I'm not on about not going in there in the first place because that would actually be the ultimate way of beating the casino. You know, I don't promote gambling. I think it's absolutely perverse gambling. Uh, gambling's probably one of the worst issues we have in our society at the moment. I think we have something like 50,000 children addicted to gambling. You've got families where husbands or wives are going out and they're just gambling away the money and the families are ending up bankrupt. I think it carries an awful stigma, financial distress and stigma is terrible. So in no way am I promoting gambling. I do not gamble at all myself. I don't believe in it. Gambling is trying to gain by not working, by not earning, just trying to get something for nothing. So I don't believe in gambling at all. But there is, as a mathematician, I've got a, a, a degree in maths, a first class honours in maths. I was really gifted at maths. There is a fail-safe way to go in and beat a casino every single time. All the casinos know about it. It's not necessarily a hidden thing. You could Google it and look it up. And you can beat a casino. You wouldn't think that, would you? You wouldn't think it was possible to walk into a casino and be guaranteed to win, but it absolutely is. Now, if the casino get on to you doing it, they will know they will kick you out. It's not illegal or anything like that, but they will know that how oh, he's doing that. Let's get him out. I'll tell you how in a little bit. Well, listen to this. Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We're in a, a, a day and an age. It, it's funny, just during the worship, I was trying to figure out what to make of it. And I kind of, part of me wanted to get up and, and wanted to say, have you all heard about the, the financial crisis, the cost of living crisis? I mean, that's all, I've, I've been working a lot this week, so I've been kind of on my own just working away. So I've, I've had the radio on, I like to listen to talk radio and different things like that. Just people kind of talking what's going on in the world and stuff. And all that's been going on all week is cost of living crisis. And to be fair, they've got a point. I went to the petrol station, I started putting the, the petrol in the car and I'm looking at the numbers going up. And it wasn't the price, it was the price of the fuel that was going up as I'm putting the fuel in. I looked at the guy on the pump next to me who's put a fiver in, he's walking off. I said, where are you going with a fiver? He said, oh, I'm off to pump two. I thought, flipping it, this is going, this is getting ridiculous. So you've got a point, there is an issue out there, isn't there? Price is going up, things are getting more and more expensive. And whilst I'm making light of it, for some people it's a serious, serious issue and it's a problem. And people are in distress and being worried and scared and fearful about it. And it looks 
If you're looking at, uh, at your income and you're looking at your expenses and your income is fixed because you maybe have a nine to five job or whatever and you don't really have any, any reasonable, practical, obvious way of increasing your income, then how on earth are you going to meet your bills and, and how are you going to do it when you're looking and you go in, there's nothing else I can cut. That looks impossible, doesn't it? And believe me, there's plenty of people out there. You've only got to switch Sky News on or BBC News or Five Live or anything you want, any kind of radio, media station you want. You've only got to turn it on for a few minutes to hear them telling you, yes, it's awful. And the other thing they're saying is, and someone's got to do something about it. Have you heard that? Have you heard them saying that? And someone's got to do something about it. You know, Boris has got to do something about it. The Conservatives have got to do something about it. Labour have got to do something about it. Who knows? Someone's got to go and do something about it. I don't follow that. I'm not, I'm not like, someone's got to do something about this. You see, the issue is, I, I kind of almost wanted to get up and say, do you think God's bothered about that with all the sin that's going on in our country? But to be fair, I can't get up and actually say that because here's the thing. If I was God, I wouldn't care about the financial crisis. If I was God, I'd be looking at the sin in our nation. I'd be looking at all the disobedience in our nation, all the issues and all the problems in our nation. And I'd be kind of sat there probably going, well, you've brought it on yourselves, haven't you? You've got no one else to blame but yourselves. Now, come and get on with it and sort it out yourselves because you've created this mess. But I'm not God, thank God, in not a blasphemous way, you know. I'm not God. And God does care. And God does care. And despite all the issues and all the problems and all the sin and all the sin in us, in us, God cares. God cares about the issues. He cares about the problems. And he's got a solution for the problems. Psalm 91. I said I was going to talk about Psalm 91. Promises you, right, unquestionable protection, success, guarding, you name it, Psalm 91 guarantees you all of those things. I'm waiting for an amen. Someone give me an amen. It's okay to amen. Feel free to shout out. Feel free to, to get up off your chair and clap and cheer and do what you want. I will not complain for anyone doing that, right? Silence that's the opposite. I will complain about that, and I might promote you to say a little bit more. But listen, God promises us unquestionable safety, protection, security, prosperity, you name it. It's all there just in Psalm 91 alone. So, come on, that's it. Yes, did I hear a few yeses there? Come on. So if that's there, right, if Psalm 91 promises all of those things and it's unquestionable, why are so many people not living in that reality? Why are some people not living in that reality? And I'm clearly on about people who would say that they are Christians. Why are they not living in that? Why are they not feeling that protection, that safety, that, that fortress that God talks about? All of those things. The answer is in the very first verse. The answer is in the very first verse. Psalm 91, verse 1 says this. Oh, where is it? I have got it written down. 
No, did I, did I not copy that? Someone grab me a Bible. Ah, oh, brilliant. Come on, let's go with that. He, I didn't, can't believe I didn't put that in my notes. I pray this so often. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. The, 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 the answer, right? If you're not living in this, the answer is in, can we just keep that up for a moment? Just leave that up, for, for, leave it up indefinitely. He who dwells, he who dwells, he who dwells, dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Some translations call it in the secret place. In the secret place. So what on earth is the secret place? If it's so important, if everything else in Psalm 91 is all based on dwelling in the shelter of the Most High, in the secret place, then you need to know what it is. You need to know how you dwell there and, and how we go about that and what we do. In the Old Testament, that can stay up. That can stay up, right? In the Old Testament... There was, a, there was a secret place. It was called the Holy of Holies. And the, in the Old Testament, if you don't know the Bible very well, maybe it's your first time here, maybe you just don't know the Bible very well, there's an Old Testament and there's a New Testament. There's an Old Covenant, Old Testament Covenant. It's a promise. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, an agreement between God and man. And there's an old one, the original one, and there's a new one. The old one was all based on laws and rules and do this and this will happen. Do that and the other will happen. And it's not that there are no kind of do this and this will happen anymore. It's just that now we don't find our place with God through doing good things. Now it is all by faith. We are saved by faith, not by works. So I'm not on about in any point in this sermon, you find in your relationship with God through being really good. Be a good boy, be a good girl, God will be happy with you, he'll pat you on the head and you'll be blessed in this financial crisis, it won't have to bother you and you'll be all fine because you've been a good boy or good girl. But it's, that's not the case, but it is the case that there are still things that God wants us to do to live a good life, to be blessed, not because you're doing it to please him. You please him by your faith in him. And your faith in him, in him is just that belief that he is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. If you believe that and you read the word, that alone is enough. That alone is enough. That will keep you in great relationship with God. He will bless you. He will grow you. He will encourage you. I can't tell you. There's not enough time in this sermon to tell you all the incredible things God will do with you and for you and through you and you name it. If you just believe he is who he says he is and believe that he does what he says he will do. That alone. Just that alone. Just that alone. But the secret place in the Old Testament, it was an actual place. There was, there was the sanctuary, and then there was this bit in the middle of the sanctuary, and I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not being like deeply theological because there's not time. But there was this inner place that was protected. It was special. It, it was holy. It was, it was so holy, no one could go in there unless they, were, they, they met all this criteria. Not only did they have to be the high priest, they had to be sinless before they went in. And there was all kinds of rules and regulations. And they could go into that place... 
right? Thinking they'd done everything right with the right motive and be struck down dead because they'd done something that they neglected they didn't even realize they neglected. It was that serious, this place, this sanctuary, this secret place, and everyone, everyone, everyone looked at it like that. Everyone understood that's the place. You don't even touch it. You don't even touch the curtain that protects that place. You don't go near it. You respect it. You give it the respect it deserves. You give it the authority it deserves. And it's the same kind of place that it's talking about here. It's dwelling in that place, in the inner sanctuary, in the most holy of places, the most holy of places that you can be with God. That's what he's on about here. And again, it sounds impossible. If the Old Testament priest who did everything he possibly could could sometimes get it wrong, what hope do we have? Does anyone in here reckon they know the word better than the the high priest of old? Actually, I know some of you, and I know some of you probably do, to be frank. That's the truth of it. That's the truth of it. Some of us actually do, because they knew it in a religious way. But we knew it in a, we know it in a relationship way. Come on, amens. I like that. I like that. Encourage me. Keep me going. I need fuel to keep going. And petrol's so expensive. Your, 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 kinda, your, your encouragement will keep me going. It's like Red Bull. In my veins, it's going to keep me going on a long journey. I won't, it won't be too long, don't worry. <laughs> when someone who preaches long says about being long, you start to get nervous, don't you? You think, whoa, hold on, how long is this one going to be? If you want to live in the promises of God, then you've got to get, know how to get into that secret place. You know how to get into that secret place. That's the key. That's the key to all the blessings that follow. But the thing about that secret place is it's not a place that you can find. It's not a place where you can go and get Google map it and find out where it is. Or do us a favor, I'll drop you all a pin and you'll know where to go to. And that's the secret place. I found it. Just head off there and you can all go and pray. The secret place is much like what I've just described, but it lives in you. But it lives in you. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer and you accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, and, and, and you, you ask to be born again, you want to be born again, you want to have the Spirit, and you welcome the Spirit in, that secret place dwells and lives in you. In you. You might not know it. It might even be in you, but you don't know it because you've defiled it so much, it, it's unrecognizable. You don't even know it's there. It, it's kind of in you. And to be fair... There's an argument to say it's not even in you. Maybe it is, and it's, and it's shrunk down so much. And I'm, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit being in you, the presence of God, the, the person of God in the earth, dwelling everywhere today. But I'm on about the Holy Spirit. The, 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 if you think about the verse of the Holy Spirit, it talks about the Holy Spirit can be shy in a way. He can be elusive in a way. You can't just click your fingers and the Holy Spirit will come. You can't just order him about. He, he's described as a dove. Now, as I understand doves, you're not just walking along and doves just come up to you like dogs and cats do. You don't see doves coming over. You, you can't get to doves. They're, they're very difficult to get near. The Holy Spirit is described as fire. When you touch fire, it burns you. I burnt myself this week. 
on, a, on an exhaust doing, doing the work. And believe me, did it burn. I had gloves on. I couldn't get the gloves off. And it's burning away on my hand. I'm like, so I'm sorry if you noticed that burn on my hand. It doesn't look very nice. Fire burns. So the Holy Spirit's got all these different aspects to him. But that holy place is, is, a, is a private place. It's a place within you. And, and my experience, my testimony of this holy place, my experience of the, of the Holy Spirit is that oftentimes it's when I'm on my own. Oftentimes my, 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 the presence of the Holy Spirit is when I'm on my own. But it's, it's just as much when I'm in the middle of the congregation and, and we're worshipping and we're praising God and, 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 I, and I know his presence is there within me. So you, you can't just put him in a box. You can't just go, oh, it's always this or it's always that. But there are certain principles, if you like, certain things that you can follow that will help you to be able to get to that holy place. But we're on about Psalm 91. We're on about dwelling in the shelter of the Most High and having access to all the promises that follow. And I've not even told you all the promises that follow. I've not even got to telling you what they are. But any Christian, if you want to dwell in the shelter of the Most High, then you have to have a Holy of Holies within you, living in you. That place where you go to when the news has been telling you all day long that it's terrible, that disaster's struck, that we're not going to be able to cope, that someone's got to do something about it, that the government's corrupt, that the world's corrupt, the police are corrupt, they're all corrupt. Putin's going to fire a nuclear weapon. That was it a few weeks ago, wasn't it? Putin's going to fire a nuclear weapon now. He's going to do this, and then the next day it's that, and the next day it's the other. You can't earn the Holy Spirit. He's actually, even though he is God, he's a gift of God. He's the promise of God. He's the deposit of God. The, 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 it's like a deposit, like what you put down when you pawn something that says, no, that's mine. There's a deposit on that. That's mine. Even though I don't have possession of it at the moment, that's mine. And I'm coming back for it. And that's the Holy Spirit in your life. That's God saying, you are mine. You belong to me. <laughs> Nearly. You belong to me. You are mine. And I'm coming back for you. And I've not lost you. And my deposit in you secures you and makes it permanent and seals it that you are mine. You belong to me. And I belong to you. So the first thing I want you to understand about the Holy of Holies and dwelling in the shelter of the Most High is to think about it. Think about it with respect. Think about it. Keep it holy. Keep the Holy of Holies in your life holy. That means not taking in the things of the world. So all the stuff that the world says, right, not taking that into your holy of holies. So not going in there with this negative attitude of it's all terrible. Or maybe, maybe you've heard someone go, I'll never forgive that person for that. They're unforgivable. That was unforgivable what they did. I'll never forgive them. Vicky was talking about that last week. I'll never forgive them. Can't go into the Holy of Holies like that. You, you, you can't go into the presence of God with that attitude. You know that war in Ukraine, 
that's going on at the moment. And just like the wars that are going on all over the world. It's not just Ukraine. We all focus because the media want us focused on Ukraine, Ukraine at the moment. But that war that's going on in Ukraine and, and all of the Ukraine flags seen around the nation and everything, guess what, right? If God was like that and had flags, he'd have a Russian flag there as well. He'd be thinking about the Russian soldiers, the Russian sons and daughters who were deceived and, and all of that stuff. He, he, he cares for all of them. He cares for all of them. He's not, he's not like us. He's not like us. We're all his children. He loves us all. That's why he can love you so much. Reserve the secret place for, for biblical firstly. So you go in there as best as you can, as much as you can, knowing what the word says, knowing how to come to God, knowing how to speak to him, knowing the promises that you can quote, knowing the things that you can say to him, but it needs to be biblical what you're saying to him in the holy of holies. It can be anywhere. It's got to be faith-filled. When you go into the Holy of Holies, we're going to talk about faith in a little bit, but it has to be faith-filled. And guess what? Here's the thing about the Holy of Holies, right? When you go in there, and remember, I'm not talking about necessarily a physical place. It could be that it's when you're in the bathroom because the door's locked and no one can disturb you. It might be that it's when you're in the car on your way to work if you can afford that anymore. It might be that when you're out for a walk with the dog or whatever it is, when you're in your holy of holies, you enter in there with a little faith. Only a little faith. You don't need huge faith to get in there. You need the tiniest little bit of faith, just faith. But when you come out, when you come out, oh boy, do you come out full of faith. Oh, does your faith grow in the holy of holies? You go in with a little faith, you come out with a big faith. You go in with peace. Now, you might be saying to me, well, I'm anxious. Okay, so your anxiety, when you go in there, present it to God. Be truthful with him. Be honest with him about your anxiety. Tell him about how you're feeling. But tell it in a way that leaves room for him to tell you what his opinion is on it. Not, God, there's no answer. God, it's all doom and gloom. God, it's all over. You just prophesied it. You just spoke it out. You've just given that God no room whatsoever to do anything about that. You've told him what the situation is. Like, what do you want him to say to you? I don't know that God wants to get into argument with you, to be quite frank. The, the Holy Spirit does not want to get into argument with you. He doesn't want to start arguing with you. and He just withdraws at that point. And he's patient and he's waiting for you to come back with something a little bit better, to be quite frank. But go in there. I'm not saying you can't go in there with your anxiety and, and share it with God. But share it in such a way that when you present it to him, you give him room to, to tell you what he thinks about it, what he's going to do about it, what he wants to say to you about it. And you know, my experience of the Holy of Holies, my personal experience, my testimony is that when I go in there, right, when I come out full of faith, the fact is generally nothing's changed. I come out and nothing has changed except me. Except me. Except me. 
Nothing has changed. Situation's exactly the same, but I feel completely different. Completely. It's like a cold shower. Warren, been doing cold showers, mate. Loving it. Like a cold shower, and you come out, you come out so invigorated and feeling like, wow, feel great, feel good. And, and just that boost that you get, it's like a cold shower. It's like it hits the reset button on you, and it's like you're filled with faith again. You're ready to go again. You can take on the world. You can run through a troop. You can do all of those different things. Your secret place is your safe haven. Uh, now, I'm, prob- I'm going to show my age, even though I don't look it. I'm going to show my age. You know what I said? You can shout out and stuff like that. I didn't mean laugh at my age. <laughs> You're just laughing because I look so young, aren't you? I get it. Yeah, okay. So when we were kids, we used to play something called British Bulldog. Anyone remember British Bulldog? So British Bulldog... I'm sure it must be banned by now because of health and safety. I cannot believe for one second that is allowed in schools. They have to do it in secret and stuff like that. I'm sure the world's gone so crazy and mad. Kids aren't allowed to run around anymore because they might fall over. But anyway, that's my little complaint and my moan. But we used to play British Bulldog and and there'd be like a netball court painted out. Remember, it was in primary school when you're little and there'd be the netball court painted out. So there'd be a D at one end and a D at the other end. And everyone would run at playtime. They'd run into the D. And the last person into the D, they were on. And so they had to stand in the middle. And then they would say, British Bulldog, one, two, three. And everyone would charge. That's probably why it's banned now. And you'd have to get to the other D without them touching you. Or grappling you to the ground. Or beating you up, depending on which school you went to. And what city you lived in and stuff like that. But basically, they did did get you, and you get to the other side. Once you cross that white line into the D, they couldn't touch you. You were safe. That is like the most holy of holies. Once you're in that place, devil can't touch you. The world can't touch you. No one can touch you. You are invincible. Teaching the kids to drive and... And, you know, when you get to a roundabout, then those of you that drive and you've got like two lanes and there's a car next and you're both waiting to go and getting the kids to understand that when they go, you can go. You don't even have to check as long as you stay parallel with them. They're your protection. They're your shield, your invincibility shield. Chloe's laughing because I'm teaching her as well. And, and this invincibility, I don't do lessons, by the way, so please don't come to me for lessons. It's not happening. Just, just my kids. Um, and, and there's this invincibility shield, but once you miss it, that cloak's gone and it doesn't operate. But if you stay with them, you are protected and you are safe. The, the Holy of Holies, when you're in there, oh, wow, wow. But it's even better, Jeff. It's even better. Do you know why? Because when you come out of the Holy of Holies, right, that shield comes with you. It comes with you because... Can we have that? You've took the verse down. I never said take, get it back up. Come on, come on. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Yeah? He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Yeah? Will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. You see, you go from dwelling to abiding. You go from dwelling in there to abiding in there. And to dwell is kind of like to call in, to check in, and, and to be there. But to abide is to permanently be there. 
If you look at what the root of that word means to abide in the Hebrew, there's a stubbornness about it. I ain't leaving. I'm here for good. This is me. The very similar words. It's almost it's a, it's a play on words. Psalms and, and proverbs. There's a lot of poetry in it. God's God's a creative God. He's in a, he created poetry, by the way. Did you know that? Yeah, God created poetry. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, so he created it. So it's no surprise poetry's in the Bible, is it, if you think about it? But there's poetry in it. And so he's talking about he dwells, will abide. And there's a symmetry between the two. But, but there's, a, there's a progression from dwelling to abiding. It's difficult to explain in the English, but, but to dwell is to kind of, you're calling in and, and you're going in there, but then to abide is permanent. You take it with you. You're there, it's with you wherever you go, that, defense, that defensive shield. I did have it written down on my notes, it was just further down. Verse 2, you can put verse 2 on now. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. My refuge, refuge, he's your safe place. He's that D in British Bulldog. No one can get you. My fortress, I mean, it doesn't need much explanation, a fortress, does it? You go to the, a castle and you see how thick the walls are, they're massive. That's a fortress. My God, my God. Like, stop there before going on to my God in whom I trust and just stop at my God. My God. He's mine. He's my God. He's my God. There's an ownership there, not in a disrespectful way, but an ownership that says, no, he's my God. Like what you'd say about my mum or my dad or my brother or my wife or my husband or my whatever. Mine. My God. He's my God. He's mine. You make him personal. My God in whom I trust. In whom I trust. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. It doesn't matter what the world says. Come on. doesn't matter what the world says. I'm going to be okay. Because God says. Not because man says, but because God says. And if you're thinking, like, you know, well, we were promised that this financial crash wouldn't happen. We were promised this with Brexit. We were promised this with COVID. We were promised this with this government or that government, government or whatever. Who promised we would never have financial problems or issues or struggles or challenges or circumstances? Who promised that would never be the case? Did someone actually promise you, right, that you would never have a financial problem in your life? You'd never have a struggle. You'd never have a health issue. You'd never have a, 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 a problem with someone who just hated you and wanted to destroy you or, you know, someone who just wanted to block your path or someone who betrayed you or someone who turned against you or someone who let you down. Who promised you that would never happen? Because it wasn't God. God never promised those things. There's an argument over, over health, which, which uh, we can, it's not, I'm not going to get into that today, but if you've got health issues you want to see us after or join them, whatever, come on. Someone wants healing, just shout it out. Just shout it out. We'll pray healing right now. I've got no problem whatsoever with that. But God doesn't promise we won't have issues or problems or trials. He promises he'll be there with you. 
He promises he'll protect you in the midst of them. He promises he will be your fortress in them. He promises to be with you through the storm, to bring you the other side, to navigate you safely through, to show you the path, to help you, to encourage you, to bless you through it. Just skip to verses 7 to 12. Adam mentioned them at the beginning of the, of the message, and I've not told him I was talking on this, so I, I, I don't think it's insignificant. I, I believe God wants to say something through, through these verses. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. I want to tell you, I don't care how many people you see struggling with problems, with issues, feel free to go and help them. Feel free, in fact, I'd encourage you to go and help them. Help them with, with, with positive words. If, you, if you've got the means to help them in, in another way, then great, do that. But, you know, give, give them faith. Above all, give them faith. You need to give people faith. That's what we need to be giving people. We haven't got the time just to, just to carry everyone and, and hold everyone's hand. We need to be giving people faith. We're the church. That's what we have. That's what we give out. We have Jesus. We give out Jesus. That's what we have to offer. And it's the greatest thing. But let me tell you this. Though a thousand may fall at your side, though 10,000 may fall at your right hand, it will not come upon you. It will not come upon you. It won't come upon you. You've got to speak it out. You've got to believe it. It's not for everyone. It's maybe for one in a thousand. It might even be for one in ten thousand. But it, it, it won't come upon you. I don't care how many people have had disasters and how many people tried that and it was all a disaster and don't do that, it won't work. But God said, nah, don't do that. It looked this happened to this person and that person and that person and this person and that person and all these thousands of stories you keep hearing over and over. That won't come upon you. It won't come upon me. Because... I dwell in the presence of the Most High. I abide in the secret place. So a thousand may fall at my side. Ten thousand may fall at my right hand, but it won't come near me. It won't come near me. It won't come near me. I will only look with my eyes. You will only look with your eyes if you abide and see the recompense, the, the reward, if you like, the just deserts, unfortunately. It's sad to see, isn't it, of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. It's there again. It's for those that have made the Lord their dwelling place. The most high who is their refuge. If the Lord is your most high, your most high above all else. Listen to that. The most high. Are there other things above God in your life? Then don't expect these promises. Don't complain that these promises aren't coming to you when there's other things that are more important than God. I mean, you might be blessed. You might live a great life. You might carve out a wonderful life for yourself. Elon Musk seems to be doing a good job and there's a few others out there that are doing a good job. I don't know what their relationship with God is, whether they've even got one. I doubt they have. I don't know. I don't, it's not my concern. I'm, they're not in my church. They're not my friend. But I, I know this, that the promise is for the believer. The promise is for the believer. And it's a promise for the believer. 
It is a promise from the Most High, from the Almighty for the believer. You want to put your faith in Boris, the Tories, Labour, Lib Dems, Green Party, the guys who chain themselves to things, well, <laughs> glue them. It's gluing now, isn't it? They, they run away with chains. Probably not environmentally friendly anymore. So <laughs> go on with the glue instead. I'm going to get sacked at some point, aren't I? <laughs> Can you say that? Get cancelled, not sacked, cancelled. I kind of hope they cancel our church, to be fair. I kind of hope they cancel us. It kind of part of me feels like, you know, that wouldn't be a bad thing if they cancelled us. It wouldn't be so bad, would it? You know what I mean? As long as we're here, as long as God doesn't cancel us, let the world do what they want. Let the world do what they want. As long as God's happy. As long as God's happy. See, when God's happy, we're dwelling. We're dwelling in the presence of the Most High God. I know who I want in my team. I know who I want on my side. I know who I want my fortress to be. Because he says this, and the other thing to remember is about this psalm, this is a very special psalm. Because the, these, this is one of the three things that the devil himself tempted Jesus on. These next couple of verses. When Jesus was in the desert, and he was fasting for 40 days in preparation for his ministry. And the devil appeared to him. One of the things he tempted him on was this. He said, so come on then. Why don't you throw yourself off this temple? Go on. Why don't you chuck yourself off this temple? Took him right to the very top of the temple. The devil's got power, you know, by the way. He's, he, he does have power, by the way. Some, not all power. He's not the almighty. Took him to the very top of the temple. I went, go on, chuck yourself off. Go on, because it says in the word, doesn't it? It says, it says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. So go on, chuck yourself off. He tempted him with these very, very verses. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Get away from me, Satan. Get away from me, Satan. God will challenge, sorry, the enemy will challenge these promises. Just to end, because we are running out of time. Hebrews 11, 1 to 3. I want you to understand this because you can't go in to the Holy of Holies with just any kind of language. And you should be coming out of there with the right language. Your language should have changed or got even better when you come out. It should be more faith-inspired. Just to help you, listen to this, to help you go in there, to help you come out. Hebrews 11, 1 to 3. Now, faith is the substance. Faith is the substance. The essence. The physical thing. The contract. I, I, I know I, I've always decided I don't want to rejoice when it's signed by man. I want to rejoice when it's signed by God when it's sealed by God. The bit that follows with man, I'll rejoice then, but not as much as I'll rejoice when God says. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's faith. Faith is creative. There is creative power in your faith, in your faith in God, your trust in God, your belief that He is who He says He is and He does what He says He will do. There is faith in that. There is power in that. 
says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Faith is the essence of the things that aren't seen yet. Yet, your language matters. If you're saying, oh yeah, to the economic crisis, let them call it that. Let the rest of the world call it that. Just call it circumstances. Just call it circumstances. Take it to God and, and, and say, God, I believe I'm going to come out of this better than I went in. I believe that you are for me and not against me. I believe that you are my fortress. I believe that you are my God in whom I trust. I believe that though a thousand may fall through this crisis, that they call it, though 10,000 may fall through this crisis, that they call it, that it will not come near me. I believe it won't come near me, God, because you promise it. Because you promise it. And then your faith is the substance of the things that haven't been seen yet. And then you see them promises happen. Mark 2 says this. Whoever shall say. Whoever shall say. So anyone. Literally anyone shall say but you've got to say people forget these these two key words in this there's 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 bits that we have to do whoever shall say whoever shall say do we know what it says to the mountain to the mountain cast into the sea cast into the sea it'll be done whoever Jesus Jesus said Whoever shall say. So you've got to be one of the whoever. Well, I'm looking around. Yep, you all are. We'll tick that box. You've got to say. You've got to say it. You've got to speak it out, guys. You've got to speak it out. But he also says, don't doubt. You can't doubt. Get rid of the doubt. Take your doubt to God and ask him to help you with it. Get rid of the doubt and believe. And believe. Because if you're just saying it and you don't believe it, you're gambling, you're buying a lottery ticket. Say it and believe it. Say it and believe it. And work yourself up to a frenzy where you believe it if you've got to. I don't care what you've got to do, but do it in faith. Read the Word. Study it. Recall the promises of God, all the things He's already done. Get yourself into that place of believing and say it. Speak it out. Speak out the promises of God. Last couple of verses, Proverbs 21, 23 says, Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Our speech matters. You have to keep your mouth. You can't let your mouth run away with negativity. You are speaking it out. You are speaking it out. You can't do that and then expect God to save you and bless you. How can you say God is your fortress? God is your fortress. He's your secret place. You're dwelling in him when you're speaking out all kinds of negativity, all kinds of stuff that the world is saying, all kinds of doom and gloom and crises and all of this stuff. How can you say you're dwelling in God when we're speaking the negative stuff out? Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. And I'll just go finally to Habakkuk 2.2. The righteous shall live by his faith this is entitled and the Lord answered me write the vision make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it 
For still the vision awaited to pointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. As we've done with every scripture, let's just go back to the beginning. And the Lord answered me, write the vision. Write the vision. Write the vision. If what God said to you, have you written it down? Have you recorded it? Is it there? Is it written down? Do you have it written down? I do. I do. I've got pages and pages and pages and pages and pages of stuff written down that God has promised. I write it as, as journals that in the hopes that maybe in one day when I'm dead, my kids might read it and go, wow, look at this, look at that, look at the other. And, and it's happened. Look at what he wrote. Look at what happened. Write it down. Firm it up. There's faith in writing it down in what God says. Amen? Amen. Guys, you will be blessed through the financial crisis if you dwell in the shelter of the Most High. God bless you guys.